We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, boys and girls, to the Roto Grinders Daily Fantasy Football Podcast, the Gilcast, the weekend wrap up show with myself, Sammy Reed. You can find me on Twitter at Sammy Reed FI. I'm joined by Nate Noling at Nate Noling on Twitter. And for the third week in a row, Josh, the, uh, the Keenan Allen of the podcast, really, uh, just with huge performances every week. You can find Josh on Twitter at FantasyADHD. Gentlemen, it was a fine day, wasn't it? It was a great day. I, I don't want to have to hear about any of your Steelers, your Steelers love. Sammy's sitting here. The listeners can't see it, but rocking a Steelers jersey just You know what, elated. Nate? You He's know just what, Nate? You, you play you, – you do all this stuff every week. You play fantasy and you play seasonal and, and you, you know, play your MFLs and your pick'ems leagues and all this stuff and you root for your teams. And every once in a while, stuff goes right right? And you put all this money in, but sometimes, you know, you just have to have a love for a football team. And when things go well for your football team, and you have got a bunch of goats on your team, like Roethlisberger, Hall of Famer, and Le'Veon Bell, the goat, and Antonio Brown, top three receiver of all time, and things go well, dude, you got to be happy. And that's where I'm at. So, so be happy for me, mate. I'm glad we got that out of the way to start the show. So, Sammy, I'm happy for you, but that's about as, as interesting as hearing about your seasonal teams that didn't make playoffs. <laughs> they, they made the playoffs. I, dude, I, I can go on a diatribe right now if you'd like me to, but I, I would do this if it were just us talking, so I could tilt you. But there are people listening, and for the sake of everybody out there, I will not subject you to this. Uh, Josh, how was your day uh, just in terms of daily fantasy? Hi, it was a pretty good day. It was a lot of fun to cheer on my lineup because my lineup smashed – it smashed cash and it smashed a lot of the leagues that I was able to squeeze it into. I was a little bit last minute getting my lineup in today, but it's probably for the best. Made some nice last minute decisions that ended up paying out pretty well. And Nathan, how are, how are things for you, buddy? Went all right. Um, I didn't have any of the Trey Burton, but um, still made it out with, with a nice little profit in cash games this week. So I don't, I mean, I'm really excited to talk about the lineups here. We all did really good. Uh, what, what was your cash lineup at Josh on DraftKings? I had 181 today. Very solid. Oh, dang. Yeah, dude. He said he smashed. I didn't realize he smashed, smashed. He smashed up. This is the second week in a row. Josh has gone ham. Uh, I was just a touch behind that. I was 174.7 in cash. And then uh, a couple standard deviations below that is, is, is Nate. Yeah, I had like 148, so I was coming up 
quite quite far behind you guys. But he's still got a positive Z score, so yeah, all's good. So, so, so you did made it. You did yeah. profit today, Nate, despite numerous uh, minus EV decisions. Yeah, I mean, I think the only minus EV was was the Anderson over Burton. That's the only that's the only really one I feel like negative about. But it's only it's only negative EV because of recency bias. I I, I mean, I think that's no, outcome I had bias. Too many, I had too many Houston. I had too many Texans. I knew it going into the week. I should have changed it. I didn't. <laughs> hey, see, I, I'm I'm your local Texans reporter. You should be able to check in with me. I can give you a vibe. You know. Well, if in case you were wondering, three players from a team that is led by Tom Savage uh, is, is not, is not a smart, sharp moving. What, what about a, what about a team led by uh, TJ, 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 TJ Wotes? Nate, you, you do know that on DraftKings, you only have nine active slots, right? Like and one of them is a defense. <laughs> and one of them is a defense. So you literally had 33% of your cash game action on the, on the Tom Savage led Houston Texans. Okay, but to be fair, I think they had the third highest team total of the week, highest pace by far, and a very clear uh, volume towards a couple specific people this week. You basically treated them like they were the the Pittsburgh Steelers, led, led by Tom Savage. Yeah, I mean that's that's fully egregious. Let's talk a little bit. Let's break down the lineups. Uh, I, I don't know that there's going to be much to hate on on. Your and my lineup, Josh, they were just too sharp. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, we'll, we'll have some fun with Nate's lineup. Real fast, uh, what did you guys do at quarterback? First off, Josh. Yeah, so my initial lineup today, I had Gabbard in at noon at kickoff. And I, I liked Gabbard, Gabbard's matchup, but I didn't like my, the way my lineup, the scoring was looking when I got to the fourth quarter of the early games. So I made a decision and, and pivoted a little bit. I, I felt like I needed some exposure to that to the Rams and Eagles game. So I switched. I had Gabbert at quarterback and I had Graham at tight end and I pivoted over to the Wentz-Burton stack, which clearly worked out pretty well. Oh, that's so much better than Gabbert freaking Jimmy yeah. Graham. Jeez. You kind of saved yeah, so yourself from yourself. I kind of did. But, you know, we made those decisions early in the week. I mean, Gabbert was a good play. He was a good play all week. And I, I, I wish I could have seen more of the game to – to understand why it ran so bad for him. It looked well, like it he was, was just sacks. off today. Yeah, me and me. Sacks. He had eight sacks. I yeah, went Gabbard. I went Gabbard as well. And I went Gabbard, I, and I don't feel bad about it. I don't know either. I mean, I he think was, it's a fine decision. He was just bad he was, today. He was off. He, he was 4.8. He missed a couple throws in the end zone, and then his offensive line just got demolished. And he in, in Tennessee had, uh, I think, eight or nine sacks with like seven QB hurries. I mean, he had no time to throw all game, and it was like, at 4.8 from your QB, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to tilt that in cash games. It allowed me to do a lot with I, what I wanted to with my lineup. So I, um, I agree with that, Nate. Without saying that Gabbert was a bad play, because I kind of feel the same. I don't think he was amazing, but I'm I'm fine with it. What could we have done better there? You know what I mean? Like, could we have possibly gone somewhere like I had River? You know, I thought of doing Rivers and then going cheaper at another spot but I just liked all my other spots and I don't know. There, there were a couple of other spots that were kind of close like Stafford and Jameis. I thought were both in good situations. Do yep. you think we could have done different here and done a little bit better than Gabbard? I could have. I, the only other quarterback I really looked at this week was Stafford. Um, but um, the reason I got off of him was just lineup construction this week. To me, there were so many clear 
uh, great plays that I wanted to pay up for. Um, we'll get to them later, but you know, in Gurley, Keenan, and Hopkins, that I just wanted to jam into my lineup. So that forced me down a road where, I mean, Rivers and Wentz in vacuum obviously were you know good plays, but um, quarterback I think is almost one of those things for me that almost always comes down to just the way the rest of my construction goes. I don't start with quarterback. No, I'm 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 kind of the same way. So let's talk then about what we did at the running back position. Uh, Josh, why don't you start off there and, and tell us what you did in cash? Yeah, so half of my running back construction, I ate the chalk just like everybody else this week and played Gio Bernard. I mean, it was uh, we. I mean, everybody talked about it this week. It was a no-brainer play. Thirty-one hundred. You stick Bernard in your lineup, and then you go about your business, try to figure out what else you're going to do. Uh, my other running back this week, I went with Alf Morris, and I went with him because I really liked his per, his perspective game script this week. I thought that Dallas would win the game. I thought it would be a ground game that they would really just try to eat the clock and, and do their typical thing where they just sit on the ball. And I thought that played well into Morris's hands. I thought he would see 25 touches and he came relatively close to that. And he ran a little bit bad and in, in that Rod Smith took all of his touchdowns away from him today and Des to some degree. And, um, you know, the, the, the Dallas passing game thrived and it was just because they scored three long TDs. And I don't know what to say about that other than he just ran bad. Otherwise he was fine. His yardage was good. His touch volume was good. The game script went the way we wanted. So in hindsight, I'd make that play again a hundred times. So 20, you got 22 touches out of him, 19 carries, three receptions for 5.5 against what's a pretty bad defense in the Giants. I was on Morris too. I didn't play him in cash because he's one of those guys, like when I think of cash running backs, I think of guys that you projected the game script to be positive, right? And indeed, like it it turned out to be. For a lot of that game, that game was really close actually. And then they Mm -hmm. kind of blew it open at the end. But I'm always afraid about what happens if the game script happens to go bad. And I don't think Morris is a guy who can overcome that. No. And that's so you're really gambling. Like you're not just saying I think Morris is going to do good. You're saying I think Dallas is going to control the game. Yeah, which, yeah. And that was and so I I ran good in that regard. I got game script on my side. The guy that I had penciled in there all week long until about eleven forty five this morning was uh, Frank Gore. And I, I don't know why I bailed on him. I just I just like Morris's play better because because he, he's Frank because he's Frank Gore. Well, it's Frank Gore, but you know I the. Once I saw blizzard conditions, I actually felt stronger about the running back plays in that game. I felt better because you knew they weren't going to throw the ball. <laughs> Look at Nate. This is so – we had this – we had a – I mean, let's just get into it, Nate. Let's okay. not horse around. Let's I, not like – let's get – dude, I mean, right before the games, Nate's texting me like, dude, you're a fish. Like, I thought McCoy was a good play until I saw the, until I saw the snow. And then I was like, dude, he's a bad process. I'm not playing McCoy. So, so why, okay. don't you, why don't you drop some reason on us, Nate? Okay, that game was so clearly a, a, you know, pardon my language, but a shit show of a game. Like, it had so much snow. It was, there was, it was an unplayable game. You knew that there wasn't going to be able to be passing the ball. These were going to be two of the most inefficient offenses in the game. And paying 7.2 for a running back who isn't going to see diversified volume. What do you love about Shady? The fact that earlier in the season there was five, six, seven target games. You take, you take his target projection way, way down to one – well, he actually ended up with zero targets this game. It takes you're, – you're relying on a 100-yard 100 100 yard game plus a bonus 
which is the opposite of everything we always want in cash games. Everything we always want in cash games is not a one, um, a one way running back and paying 7.2 for McCoy with that weather. You're like, he literally became a one out running back. He needed to burst some big plays running the ball. It took him running the ball 32 times in overtime to, and it's just like, I don't want that. I'd much rather get guys with diversified volumes that are going to see five, six, seven, and have massive upsides in their target shares. Because that's where on DraftKings, like good cash game running backs are. If you look week after week after week, when, when there are guys like Fournette, um, Gurley, and all these guys who have all these diversified volumes, I don't know. I don't get excited about 25 carries in the snow on a team that isn't going to get red zone like work because it's an offense that's not going to move the ball. Now, here's something I need to warn everybody about that's listening to this podcast, because what you said really sounds intelligent, and it really sounds like it's based <laughs> in reason and logic, and I need to let everybody know. Put the flamethrower down, Sammy. Put it down. <laughs> that, that Nate, when Nate dies, he's going to float belly up. That's his... <laughs> that's his... <laughs> This play could have – you literally, like, two two plays where a defender didn't fall in the snow, and this game totally looks oh, different. And you who, could have, who could have foreseen that a defender would fall in the snow? That's unbelievable. Why would you want to pay 7.2 for a guy who's going to have literally one out? Nate, Nate, and you have to – rushing the ball 35 times in overtime. Here's what you need to understand, Nate that your model doesn't tell you is that whatever it was four years ago in week 14, Shady played in a snow game just like this. And Uh he went for 200 plus yards. And the reason is this. Shady is one of the most elusive runners of our generation. And when you get onto a track like this, where he's going to have this many carries, dude, when he cuts and stuff, he is better equipped to deal with it than everybody else. And his advantage becomes greater. And he ends up breaking fools off. And guess what he did? He broke fools off and he smashed. If you like to put your hard-earned dollars behind one-game samples, go ahead. While I will continue to use logic, reason, and math to build my lineups and build much more consistent lineups over a 17-week week season. Let me tell you like, about your. Let me tell you about your logic, bro. I just looked at my DraftKings account and it said full <laughs> <laughs> because I played Shady McCoy. <laughs> It worked out this week, but like, okay, at three point, what was Gore? 3.8? He was 3.9. Okay, Gore, I would actually be okay with looking at that because you know he's going to get so many more tar- rushing attempts that 3.9, you don't need to have a guy have seven rush, uh, ru- like targets to make value. But when you're paying above 6.5 for a running back, you need this guy to be one of those guys who gets diversified workload. You just do, or it's bad process. Yes, I won't argue with the diversified workload part. I think that's fine. But we have a spe- we had a special case in this game where the carry volume was amplified by the weather. Right, we had weather effects to deal with. So, you know, what might have been a twenty-two touch game for Shady McCoy turns into whatever he got today. He had thirty-two carries. So, granted, he lost out on the PPR, let's say PPR potential, and I don't know if he really lost out on that. They just chose not to throw him the ball. But what he lost out on, he doubled in opportunity. Hey, it's just a, dude, he's just a lock for the bonus, bro. Just a lock. So like, it's um, not even a question. I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of in the gray area here because I, I can see the argument against paying up for McCoy in a situation like this because the pass volume is going to be gone. But 
I can also see the, the method behind it because if you think he's going to get over 30 touches, you're going to pay for 30 touches if you think somebody's going to get that kind of volume, right? I mean, I, mean I, I don't even know if you could have actually projected 30. I think you could have safely projected 25 to 26 because the reality is the pace of this game was also going to be the slowest of the, of the week because you knew both teams were going to be running the ball. You knew both teams were going to struggle to move the ball because it's hard to run the ball. It's hard to have a great offense moving the ball when there's conditions like this. That's just, like, obvious. I mean, that what could was, have been a, what was, a what was Shady's What was Shady's team offensive share today, Nate? How many plays did Buffalo run, and how many times did Shady get the ball? They ran 67 plays, and he had 32, so he's just under 50%. Is, is that good? That sounds right. good. I'm, right I'm no, 47, I'm, probably. I'm no genius, yeah. but it sounds good to me. Yeah, he had a 40 – he had a 47.76% offensive share, which is very good. Um, but I don't think when you take into all the consideration that he was the smash lock play that everybody, everybody thought. I would, I would take a slightly lower percent of a team's workload when there's going to be more plays, more efficient plays, plays closer to the red zone and passing plays, like a Alfred Morris – or not an Alfred Morris, a uh, Lamar Miller who was going to be in the fastest-paced game with – potentially more touches when you average in the pace of play and passing and being able to get red zone work. I don't know. Uh, okay. So, so, so Josh went with Gio and Alfred Morris, and then you did the four receiver thing again. I went with Gio and Gurley and McCoy. Cause I just like doing boss things that, that smash you like spending of half points. of your salary on running backs yeah i do i do i i just love getting mass amounts of touches it just like sounds really good to me nate what did you do over here at running back i went geo Gurley, and then lamar miller see i mean it, we we talked about this earlier like i can't hate on lamar miller like he did not run good he got hurt in the middle of the game so he lost some touches there i didn't i you know i didn't think lamar miller was a bad play at all i thought he was a good play so while I would like to rip you for it, uh, I can't really. Like, Lamar Miller was yeah. solid. And, and Josh, I wasn't ripping on you for the Gore play. I think Gore is actually sharp when you consider his price tag. No, I didn't think you were at all. For the LaShawn. LaShawn, he thought LaShawn was just the lock of the lock. Yeah, no, I didn't he, was, think... he was. He was. <laughs> I think the winner actually should be taking you off of him. Although. Before the all... game was better projected than he was with weather. I have to tell you, earlier today when Davis started saying how big of a lock McCoy was, it started making my confidence waver a little bit. Because <laughs> anytime you have Nate on one what side, side you on? and Davis on the other, and you're going with Davis, like there's something really emotionally disconcerting about that. So you just ride with the devil, man. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, you're going to be wrong on that bet. That is correct. So maybe I should flip on that. So uh, Miller did not run very good. Uh, not literally, but just in terms of like point scoring, he only ended up with eight DraftKings points. Yeah, and, it was, yeah, it was, not a, it was not a great day for Miller. I mean, he with the injury, uh, I think he lost some of the workload, and then obviously the Texans' offense just game plan. I think went to crap. Obviously, after Savage got out, and it was just get TJ Yates to throw a bunch of terrible passes to DeAndre and see what DeAndre can do. Yates, Yates was pretty fire. He threw for 175 yards and two touchdowns. But it, if you actually – like, it wasn't like Yates. It was DeAndre. Maybe yeah, it, that's because DeAndre is a goat. Okay, so raise your hand if you did play DeAndre. I'm putting my hand up, Nate and Josh. Okay, so we're all not fish. 
I, I mean, Geo was a mortal lock. If you didn't play Geo in cash, you know, your process is just all twisted. Like, well, I tell you just, what, though, it was looking pretty shaky up until about mid third quarter for it Geo. Does, it doesn't even matter because everybody played Geo. Yeah, this is true. You this know? is true. So, I mean, I, yeah, and it's just you, you, take the, you take that workload at that price. You just do. You know, and I don't even care what the results are this week. He could have ended up with five DraftKings points. It wouldn't change that anything. Yeah, he yeah. Four- him to have at least three quarters of the team's carries. Um, they were going up against Chicago, and you projected him to get, I don't know, four or five targets. Like, yeah. at his price tag at 3.1, like, that was a absolute no-brainer. Yeah, you, you need to stop playing DFS cash games if you didn't play them in cash. And- or yeah. severe, like seriously reevaluate your process because yeah. you have you have three potential places to use a running back at. There's no way you could possibly tell me. So the, yeah, the the way that I think all of us started our lineups, at least me, is I put in Geo and then I put in Hopkins and then I started building around that. Yeah, uh, Nate was was that kind of the same for you? Yeah, I was pretty high on Gurley this week too, and here's why I think. In a tougher run matchup, a lot of people, I think, probably were like, oh, I'm kind of off Gurley. But I actually projected Gurley this week to have more than usual targets. Um, and I thought he was going to be more efficient with, with his targets than usual. And I thought – because L.A. is one of those teams that actually is sharp and will not pound the ball against a, a tough running team. So they're going to, you know, try to actually scheme, like, good plays. And they're going to get their best player the ball. And I just thought I could see him having, like, seven targets and – I like when you can get Gurley have projection around five to eight targets, like I'm really high on that. So I, I was really, really high on Gurley this week. So he was one of my, one of my other locks, but yeah, very similar construction. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he only ended up actually with 16 touches, which is crazy. You know, he, yeah, was, he was just super efficient with it. He had a Kamara game. He did. Yeah. He, had a, he had a Kamara game. That's exactly what he had. Yeah. And Gurley's talent is such that he can easily have these. Like he was just ripping off chunks after chunks we actually had a little bit of tilt late in the game, Nate, because he was at the bonus and then lost the bonus by four yards. I thought I was going to bubble cash games with that, and luckily I didn't. But, oh, man, that losing the bonus on that three-yard three yard that well, he lost. I mean, it was unbelievable. He was, like, at the bonus, and then he lost one yard, and you started texting me and tilting me, and I'm like, bro, go. <laughs> go ahead. Sammy, I, I'm tilting. Sammy goes, Nate, there's 12 minutes left. It's fine. <laughs> and I said – let me tilt. Sure enough. <laughs> sure, sure enough, then Nick Foles just drives the ball down the, down the field against the Rams. 11 minutes. Yeah, and, and that was the story of the, the Los Angeles Rams. So uh, let's talk about our receivers besides DeAndre Hopkins. Wait, can we just RIP for a minute and just, like, can we vent uh, about Wentz? Yeah, this that is like so bad. Just as a, not, like, DFS-related, but just from a football-related standpoint, like, Wentz was one of the best storylines of the season and to see him, you know, obviously we don't know for sure if it's an ACL, but I mean, there was that clip of him trying to take a step and you could see, I mean, it's just, it's it's, over. Yeah, it's over. And that's just a bummer. He's, he had an incredible sophomore season and that was a great run. See at the crossroads. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, dude, I, I, I love football and I love football players. So when I see a guy like Odell Beckham or JJ Watt or Aaron Rodgers you know, or David Johnson. These are some of the best players in the NFL, and they make the sport worth watching. And when all these guys who are top two or three at their positions go down, Wentz was probably the leading MVP candidate. It's like him, Brady, and Russell Wilson probably at the top of the MVP. Yeah. 
it, I think it, we were having that discussion this week, and I think I was like, I think it's Wentz, you know. And it's just – it's sad. It's sad. It's super sad. So, yeah, we're hoping for the best, but it's one of those things like 90% of the time when they do that field test and it's it's not happening, it's an ACL. Yeah. And it's it's – Dude, it's so tilting. It has to be super tilting to be an Eagles fan because, dude, the season's magical. Like, you have a beast defense, a great defensive line, and then you have Wentz who's, like, turned into this elite, elite quarterback, and he's in his second year in the league, and everything's going great. And then he tears his ACL in, like, a way that it, it didn't even look like he could have torn it. I've never all- seen one go out like that before. Right. Ever. It's crazy. Yeah. Usually when you tear an ACL, your leg is planted, it's non-contact, and it just buckles on you. He was, like, fully horizontal diving into the end zone. And it got yep. smashed. Like, two players, like, smashed it. And, dude, it's, it's – it's, It was so bizarre to see that and then him get up. like Because you see that play a thousand times. A thousand yeah, times. Thousand. And guys just get right up and go play. Yeah. It was really bad. But, hey, we still got, we still got Case Keenum. We still got Jared Goff. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Now That's we right. have so, TJ Yates. Not all is lost. Yes, now we have TJ TJ Wotes. So not all is lost. We're we're okay. We're you're gonna, you're a half full kind of guy, Josh. I like that about you. Well, uh, yeah. So so besides Hopkins, what did you do at wide receiver? So I had um, I had Fitzgerald, and then this morning I I had an epiphany and and stuck Adam Thielen in there, and then like you mentioned earlier, I went with a four stack at wide receiver, and, and I stuffed Gordon in at my flex spot because I mean, that's, you had to, you had to play Gordon this week. They were oh yeah. I talked, I talked about, I talked about starting lineups with Gio and Hopkins. Uh, yeah. I, we I start, both lied. It was Gordon. <laughs> yeah. We started with Gordon and Gio and then started building around. Yeah. That's exactly how and, it was. And this was, and this was tough for me. Like, I know we joke about it a lot, but I am like 100% team math. All of my decisions that I make, I always think through a very mathematical lens and most of my models are built on multi-year uh, uh, data and uh, uh, Josh Gordon has zero 2015, 2016, 2017 data to base on. So he literally was not popping in my models and I literally just had to jam him in. And it was like, I think it was the first time this year that I just completely went away from any mathematical, like, and I just, he's the goat, jam him in. That's so strong. And he like ran super bad to only, yeah. because Cleveland actually had a positive game script. This, I don't think yeah. he touched the ball in the fourth quarter. He didn't touch the ball in the second half. Second half, yeah. He had three receptions for 69 yards with a touchdown in the first nice. like quarter. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, but it was, so, it was just great for him to rip off like a 38-yarder and then catch a touchdown like all in the first five minutes. And it was like, oh, Gordon's going for two, hundy. It's all yeah. happening. And, I thought he was going to go off, man. I was so excited. I did, I did too, but he, but he still came through. He had, what, 15.9? For five point five, so that'll that'll absolutely play. Yeah, that'll play. It, it, the the thing that got me back onto Gordon, I was um, I wasn't going to play him all week. I you know, I was, and I, we talked about this on the pod that I was going to actually play Coleman and pivot off of that. And what got me onto Gordon and onto that game period was that the wind just kind of went away. It went back to normal conditions for that time of the year and in that time of the world. Fifteen mile an hour winds. These guys playing that all the time. They practice in it, and there's nothing scary about the conditions they were in today. So I, so at that point, I was like, it makes a lot of sense to play him. The matchup's good, and the price is perfect, and he enables a lot of other things on the roster, so you have to play him. 
See, I didn't give a damn about all that win nonsense and this and that. I was like, Gordon's in my lineup and he's staying in my lineup because goats are going to goat. And that's, I mean, that's the model I looked at. I looked at my model and it said goats going to goat. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm playing Josh Gordon then. So. And Gordon did go for 237 yards in 35 mile an hour wins back in 2013. Word, word. I mean, the guys, the guy can Jamie's just. Jamie's all it. about those one game samples. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm in. Uh, Nate, what did you do at the rest of your receiver positions? Um, I went Gordon Goat and then uh, Hopkins and then Keenan Allen. Okay, and Keenan smashed yet again. Yeah. You were, yeah. I mean, I-, I wish Davis was on this podcast so I could rip him yet again because you were on, you're on the text message chain where we were arguing about if Keenan Allen is actually good at football, right? Yeah, I mean, just, just agree. Like, Davis is just egregious. What? Davis, I mean – He's just egregious. He thinks Keenan really? Allen's bad at football. And I'm like – Bad at this, football. This dude yes. has been one of the most efficient wide receivers over the past six games. Him and Phil Rivers have like a historic like uh, like connection going on right now over the past couple games. And it's just like – That does not compute. No. I mean, what an idiot. It does when you know that you're dealing with Davis Maddock. And then, yeah. and then he goes – and then he like I, – I give him like four blocks of texts why Keenan Allen's a goat. And then he texts me back – Bro, 21 touchdowns in 50 career games. <laughs> yeah. Let me pull up his college stats. He's only five. Who cares, Davis? <laughs> so bad. So Keenan Allen had yet another 100-yard game. I think that's his fourth in a row. Um, yeah. I, I mean, he was, he was a great play. He was a great and play. He, I can't. And he didn't even have, like, run good to do it. Like, there was, I think, one or two. Yeah, so he had eight targets for 111 yards. Yeah, he caught a he caught a long 50-yard bomb and rolled down at the 1-yard line. Yeah. Yes. So. Like that could have been a, a smash. Yeah. Smash spot. But can we just talk about Hop, like we just breezed over Hopkins? Yeah, we we um, should definitely talk about him like, a little. This dude legit had again 42.11% target share with a 51.0% air yard share. Like this dude just I have never seen volume like this. And it's incredible. It's incredible. Nate, do you remember early in the season when he was like 5.9? And people didn't play him. And you <laughs> told me I was a fist. You said, but his quarterback. And now he's got TJ Yates and you're paying 9K for him. Yeah. And, and like gladly paying for it. I'm like, oh, he's only 8.5? Jam him in. You know what's, what's messed up is like uh, it, how badly Brock Eisweiler ruined DeAndre Hopkins' perception among fantasy players. Yes. But, like, just when yes. you hear 51% of his team's air yard share, you go, that's insane. What if I told you that is his fourth – that's not even his fourth highest on the year. He's had four weeks with a higher percent of his team's air yard share. It's just it's insane. That's, that's, just, that's just filthy. And Josh brings up a really good point that only Brock Osweiler, not Savage, not Yates, not nobody, only Osweiler could turn that kind of volume into – like a bad fantasy player. Exactly, exactly. And I, I just – I never get nervous. When you have Hopkins in your lineup, he could be in the third quarter with like eight points, and you go, I don't know what's going to happen, but he's going to end with 25. Yeah. Josh, it, I, I kind of glossed over this. You said you had a, an epiphany about Adam Thielen. I did. Uh, talk, talk about that for a second. So, you know, my, my numbers show that Carolina is actually pretty bad at pass defending. And I just – I felt like Thielen was a really good play today I, I, because he did have a down week last week, and I thought he was a good guy to go back to this week. I thought he would have really good target volume. I thought that that game could shoot out, and if it did shoot out, which it did, it ended up being that way, that Thielen was going to be the beneficiary and probably see in the neighborhood of 12 targets. 
And I thought he could house one. He should have housed another one today. You know, he got overruled by the league office, but he ended up taking that the one to the house pretty late in the game there that, that kind of say, I'd say saved his day because it was a long touchdown, but he did what I thought he could do today. And I thought his floor reasonably today was probably about 18 points, to be I, honest. I, I thought he was probably like a, you know, seven or eight catch for a hundred yard kind of game today. And I thought that was his floor. I think that the keen, I think that he's very keen and Allen ish. Like they remind me as of like an archetype, quite a bit of each other. Yeah. He's for, I, I see a lot of Michael Crabtree in his game, just, yeah. just, just total yeah. professional stud receiver that runs the right routes and can catch everything and just quietly amasses this war chest of yardage at the end of the game. Love yeah. it. Love just it. incredible hands, incredible hands. Yeah. My question with Minnesota is I just, I, I, I get scared to play Thielen because of Diggs. Like, and I'm always worried it's going to be a Diggs game. Like when is Diggs going to come back? But Diggs always just has like five or six targets and that's what Diggs does yeah. now. Yeah, and then, I mean that's that's just the role. It's it's the slide and the flank, and that's that's how it's divvied up. And I tell you, if they if they swap spots for you know full time, you'd see that probably the target distribution completely flip flop. Which is which yeah. is what they did in the preseason. Remember, like last season, Diggs was the slot guy and Thielen was the outside, and they flipped him in the preseason. And Diggs had a couple big games early, but Thielen really just took over, and they're but both. What, yeah, I'm watching. I watched a lot of that game today, and they are lining up Thielen a lot at the flank, and they, they isolate him on the flank quite a bit. They and started he's still the doing first that. Read. Yeah, they started doing that. Like I want to say, like four weeks ago or something like that. It's his slot percentage has gone way down lately. And you're mm-hmm. right; they they just keep going to him because he's a goat. Well, and, and it makes sense to do that too. It diversifies their offense. It makes them tougher to defend. To defend. And I, I'm checking out their target stuff right now. So Thielen had 13 targets today, got six of them and Diggs had 10 of his own. So I, really, uh, you can play both of these guys every single week. It's just Thielen is getting the yardage and scores. I, but, I mean, that could change at any time. I don't, think that's a, I don't think that's a constant. What I do think is a constant, really, for Thielen is, is the reception numbers, and his yardage is pretty steady. So it's, I, I felt he was a great floor play this week. And for 7,200, I thought it was an easy decision to cash. Well, he has what I think one game this season with under five receptions. Yeah. You know, he Last had that week. streak going. Thielen, yeah. Thielen was sharp. What was he owning cash? Because I, I didn't even think about Thielen. My, I mean, Fitz was the other guy. If I didn't play Keen, uh, Keen, and I think my two v two was like AJ Green and and um, Fitz. Thielen actually ended up being higher than I expected in the uh, in a hundred man league that I that I was able to squeeze into today. He's seventeen percent, which really shocked me. I thought Thielen wow. would be probably on the order of six or seven yeah. percent tops. Yeah. Yeah. So him being 17 was very surprising. And I, I'm not sure how everybody else got to that, got to that logically other than, yeah, why didn't they play AJ Green for a hundred more dollars? Cause he yeah. seemed like a lot more logical play today to me than yeah, Thielen. I was, I was on AJ. And so I thought there were some really good plays, right? And Mike Evans too. Mike Evans was 6,900. He made a lot more sense today in that spot. And I mean, you could have played Marvin Jones right around there. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know how folks. I don't know how that many folks got to Thielen, but the one thing you have to did. remember about Mike Evans, though, is that Jameis Winston is his quarterback. So yeah, he's and, and and him and him and uh, Marvin Jones are like deep guys. Like they have a wider range of outcomes than a guy like Thielen, who's just yeah. always producing. Whereas those guys produce when they catch their deep targets, but if they don't, it's going to be small games. Yeah, but that's I, fair. But I agree about AJ Green. Like I, I would have probably played AJ over Thielen, and that would have not been sharp. So. The guys that I went with, uh, I went with uh, Gordon, Fitzgerald, and Hopkins, and 
Fitzgerald for me was close to a cash lock because he was 6.5. And as far as wide receivers on this slate go, you know, he was like, I think first in receptions and second in targets and sixth in overall yards. And he was replaced as a wide receiver 10. He's effectively like arbitrage new Hopkins on a weekly basis. Yeah. Fitz is a cash game play every week. He's he's almost always underpriced for the volume that he's going to get, and he's you know a consistent receiver who always figures out ways to make catches. Yeah. So he he didn't he didn't end up pulling through the Gabbert Fitz stack only combined for like eighteen points, which is you were like bad. inches away though from that being. Oh, I was so t- I was so tilted. Like Gabbert missed Fitz had an easy step in the end zone and just yeah those just ten points it. that you leave. Oh. It was very painful. Uh, tight end, Josh, what did you do at tight end? Yeah, so I mentioned earlier that I had I had Graham in almost all week, and I ended up bailing off of that at the last minute. It, actually, during the fourth quarter of the early games today and went over to Burton. I just – I don't know why I had Graham in there all week. I like Graham's prospects, I think, against Jacksonville. I thought they would end up having to target him heavily, especially if the game shot out, that they would have to get him some looks. And, you know, I think he only got two targets today or something like that. But – I ended up going to Burton. Obviously, that worked out. Burton got two touchdowns on some really some pretty limited volume. Um, I had Steven Anderson kind of penciled in for a lot of the week for a lot of the same reasons that I think other people played him. Is that the expected volume was there. The pace was there. They're playing indoors. I mean, there were a lot of reasons to like him. But I ended up going Burton because I just liked the quarterback situation there a lot better. And, yeah. Nate, uh, we, we know what you did. Talk a little bit about why you decided to make – this decision and jamming that third Houston Texan. Yeah, I pulled a Sammy, man. I got too excited about a one week sample last week. Him <laughs> no, I, I mean, here's the thing about Anderson. I thought Anderson and Burton, I mean, I thought Anderson actually had a better projection from a volume standpoint. Cause I jumped in and looked at Burton's last game where Ertz was out and uh, Selleck actually ran more routes that week. I was a little bit scared because I thought Anderson had, um, like he was the clear tight end play for Houston, I thought. And he, he actually is an athletic freak. Like he's got one of the higher spark scores you're going to find for a tight end. Um, and I was, I don't know. I was really high on Houston for the reasons that we talked about earlier. And I, um, so I, that's what I, I mean, he was cheap tight end. And I, I mean, I looked at Burton, but I just, I got scared. I thought Selleck was going to potentially run again, more routes than him. And I don't, I didn't look at route breakdown. He might've actually ran more routes. He, he really might've, he got a bunch of volume earlier, but the thing you have to, to understand is that, I don't know, Nate, you can't like make all these plays in a vacuum, right? Like, I, I know it was a bad play because you had, I was way overexposed to a team like Houston. I mean, I just got too excited about the overall game flow. And the reality is with DraftKings, like shortening these slates, it does get tricky because all of a sudden you look and you go, like, what team is the third highest implied team total of the week? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, Houston. Like, they're one of the best teams of the week. Great pace to play. But then you realize, wait, no, they still have Tom Savage as a quarterback. There's a possibility that these guys don't move the football. Like, Correct. And in cash, in cash, it just pays to diversify, right? Yeah. Yeah. Get, a little so, light, get a little Litecoin, even if you don't love Litecoin as much. You know, get a little Bitcoin cash. Diversify that portfolio a bit. Just in case it's still happening. I can't, I, can't, I can't stand for the Bitcoin cash, but um, <laughs> Litecoin, totally fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, diversifying in cash is smart, especially you just don't want to overexpose yourself too much because it it, it's increasing your variance every time correlation. And I'm totally fine with the Hopkins and Miller just because, you know, I think those two were very clearly where um, the workload was going to go. But the Anderson 
I mean, you called earlier in a text thread, Sammy. You're like, I think you're too – and you were right. Like, so it wasn't that Anderson was a bad play in a vacuum. It correct. Was in my, my lineup construction, he was a bad play. Correct, correct. Forest for the trees. I played Burton as well. And Burton certainly ran good to get two touchdowns and 24-plus DraftKings points. Like, there's, there's no doubting that. He got 24 points on six targets. Yep. I mean, let's, let's not pretend that Burton was just the lock of all locks. But the reason, I mean, I liked him. He freed up 300 extra bucks. Uh, that ended up not mattering to me. I actually left 300 on the table uh, when, I, when I ended up going off of uh, the Bengals defense. But I just – So I just, got you specifically on Burton over Anderson um, because you didn't play Lamar, so he would have only been your sec- – did you just not want two tight end? Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't even want two Texans. And, and, and more to the point – and more to the point, I believe in the tight end role in the Philly offense. Like I follow, you guys know Fran Duffy is, I follow him on Twitter and every week he's just such a great follow because I'm a big game film nerd. I love watching the way that offensive coordinators manipulate defenses with their schemes. And when smart coaches do it, it's a thing of beauty, right? It's like watching a, a really great chess player and the things that they do to get the tight ends open to me, is just this is like game game film Sammy, which is like bad DFS Sammy. But I really just watch it, and I'm like, look, dude, like they are so good at scheming this open, and Wentz is so good that I believe in this role on this team very, very much. And I've seen Burton play; he's super athletic. I knew he wasn't going to get 90 percent of snaps. He didn't, like you said, the last time. Uh, but I thought but he'd get. But he was, yeah, I, he, was I, he was 2,900. That was the key. And he was 2,900. He was right? 2,900, and you thought he could score a touchdown. I yeah. mean, you, yeah. you're praying for 10 points, and he got you 24. Yeah. He One was, other thing that I think might have gotten people off of him, and I know this wasn't a very valid concern, and Sammy, you were right, but um, there was – like, Ertz wasn't actually ruled out until, like, 2 p.m. Central time. So there were people probably starting their noon games who maybe thought about it but didn't want to take the risk. Good that point. risk wasn't very high, but I understand it if you didn't want to I, take that risk. I saw, I saw a tweet early Sunday, like last night, I think it was like Rappaport, you know, whoever said yeah. he's, he's, he's highly doubtful. doubtful. And then this morning I saw a tweet that said he's having dull headaches. And I'm just like, dude, it's over. Like, they're, yeah. they're shutting that down. Like, it's just – But, I mean, if you were one of those guys sitting on the fence and you look at these two guys and they're projected for – very, very similar outcomes, you know, seven DraftKings points, eight Drac, whatever. And you go, hey, this one I know is going to play this one. There's a risk. I don't know. I mean, I get it. Yeah. I was I was probably going to, like, do something like go down to, like, Demarius and go up at tight ends um, if that if that ended up it's not happening to, like, Hunter Henry, I think was my backup plan there. So. Yeah. I had a lot of that this year where I just feel like in years past, like, there used to be a lot where, you know, later, especially with Sunday night games, that – your lineup construction, it really depended on when lineup, like when your guy played. Where this year, like, I can't, when was the last time we had a situation where it was like two o'clock, all of a sudden news breaks and everybody's changing their lineup? Yeah, it's been, it's been easier. It really has. So, so you mentioned Hunter Henry. I thought he was a good play this week. I mean, we thought that, that games group would be on the side of, of the Chargers that whole time. So we thought Hunter Henry might actually, you know, get a lot of target volume this week. He ended up scoring. So, I liked him pretty early in the week. And Kelsey was the other guy I had penciled in all week until I decided to go expensive at all four receiver spots. And Kelsey ended up seeing 13 targets again today. So his target volume is just locked in. Imagine owning Kelsey in cash today. Like how tilted. He almost had three touchdowns. Yeah. Like he had one where it was called a touchdown and he ended up going down at the one. And then he had one. Who did end up getting the touchdowns for? Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt scavenged. 
I thought you said Kareem Hunt was a bad play this week. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't like I him. I thought like you had a bet with Evan Silva. I did, dude. I got smoked on this bet. I was so tilted when he went down at the one and Kareem Hunt left box into that touchdown. I was so tilted. I was so mad. But that, that just goes to show you, dude, don't make bets with Silva because he's super sharp. And I just had a needle you on that one. Sam. No, it's fully, fully deserved. Fully deserved. Uh, Evan's a goat and, you know, it just, uh, you know, you, 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 you fight the bull. Sometimes you get Wait, the heart. Did, so. did Kitchen get you too? No, Kitchen did not get me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Kitchen took Mike Davis. Oh. Kitchen took Mike Davis at Jacksonville. Like, I mean, Mike Davis, like the, the Seattle Seahawks have scored one offensive touchdown this year that wasn't Russell Wilson. They were one. due. One. They weren't due for squat. They were they due. Were due. <laughs> we just bet like Mike Davis at Jacksonville and think that he had any chance of drawing out. And it just Russell didn't. Wilson goes into the toughest defense in the league and puts up 270 yards passing and 50 yards rushing and still dominates. Like Russell Wilson is just what he's doing. This is, this is actually when, when we get to in a second, things that we learned, uh, that's one of my things. I mean, he's just unbelievable. Real fast defense and special teams. Josh, what'd you do? I did. Uh, I went with the Chargers again this week. I played them last week, and they were. I mean, it was a good play. And today, I thought that they were just going to sit on the the Redskins, and they ended up doing that. Now they didn't score a ton. They had eight points, but you know, for thirty six hundred, I'm not too displeased with that. The other defense I had penciled in for a lot of the week was Minnesota. Uh, I ended up getting off of them just because I I didn't like them on the road, and I'm, I'm glad I made that decision and just went ahead and stuck with a nice home favorite. In, instead of trying to do something cute there, even though Minnesota was way down in price this week. I think Minnesota, I had them in a couple of tourney lineups because uh, they could easily do well against Carolina. That was the right spot for them was in tourneys, yeah, not I in went, cash. Yeah. I went Minnesota in cash, which, I mean, they were just 2.7. I yeah. I normally been paying up for cash. I, the other guy I was looking at was Chargers. But um, I normally pay up for defense, and I just didn't this week with construction. But now I'm I was I was on the Bengals all week. Uh, the Bengals geo stack, I thought that was great. Like yeah. Mitch Trubisky on the road. I ended up going down to the Bills uh, when I saw that weather. I ended up going to the Bills. They didn't even score that many. They only got five because there wasn't a lot of passing in this game. So that yeah. like lowers the ceiling. But I thought they had a higher floor. Like I just didn't think that Indy was going to score at all. So they ended up scoring five points for you know yeah three, three and grand or whatever. Yeah. That may be something we want to that we want to talk about on the things we learned is it, in, in case we get any of these bizarro blizzard games again, maybe how that affects the defenses and really caps their ceilings. Because if we tell you, I mean, you hit on it right there that that the passing volume was going to be severely depressed, and it and it limits the upside. I mean, it takes away opportunities for sacks, takes away opportunities for interceptions and touchdowns. So you know, maybe that just turns them into a kind of a middling floor and no ceiling kind of defense. Which which they kind of were. Which they kind yeah. of were. Kind of like, like what it does to the 7.2 running backs in the same – All right, so moving on, Nate. What did what... – <laughs> Nate, Nate refusing to take his L just <laughs> – You literally just said the exact same reasons apply to the defense, but they don't apply on the opposite side for the offense. That's, that's not no at all what I said. No volume. Know this. Know this. Yeah, no passing volume, just a ton of running back volume. I think that's, that's a right. good thing. <laughs> the defense does not get – they do not get increased carries on defense, but the running backs, they still get that. That's right. That's right, Nate. Uh, Nate, what did you learn today? Talk, talk to me about something you actually learned other than Sammy was right about LaShawn McCoy. I learned Jamal Williams, man. He just – dude, Green Bay, they, he gets diversified workload, and I like – I mean, 
I really, really don't know why I didn't consider him this week. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be back next week. He's going to have a CT scan uh, on his shoulder, on his collarbone, to make sure that's healed properly. If it is, it looks like he's going to play next week. That's still up in the air. Do you think that changes Jamal Williams' role at all? Like, do you think that they lean I mean, on him as heavily? Time, we, we saw what Tymont did, you know, with, with Rodgers behind, behind center. So, I mean, I – I don't know. I just know I, – I, I don't know why I didn't think about it. He was going up against Cleveland. I mean, I, I literally – I don't think Jamal Williams I even thought about this week. And watching games, I was just like, what the heck? He's getting he's getting targets. He's getting rushing attempts. They're moving the – I was just – Yeah, he had, he had seven catches for 69 yards and a touchdown. He was a good receiver. Yeah, yeah so I, I don't know the, why I didn't think about him. Yeah, so the case I saw against against Jamal Williams, and I had him kind of – he was on my short list this week at running back was Aaron Jones's health. I thought if Jones was healthier than he was last week, there was an opportunity he could take, you know, 10 to 15 touches of Williams's pie and, you know, kind of have his own decent game. So, I mean, I, I put out this kind of dumb idea on Twitter uh, a couple of days back. It's like, why not stack the green Bay running, running attack altogether and run both of those guys. If you think that, the weather's going to be bad and there's going to be increased run volume in that game. Why not do that? Now, obviously that, that would have been really dumb except in tournaments, but you know, Jamal Williams made a lot of sense. And I think he makes a lot of sense again next week because I can't imagine that they're going to put Aaron Rodgers out there and expect him to run for his life on 45 pass attempts and put his health at, at, at risk again. So I, it makes some sense for green Bay and their game plan to make it a little more run game centric and give Williams more of the work and probably protect him a little, protect Rodgers a little bit until he's got his sea legs back under him. It could certainly be. I had the same concern that Aaron Jones, I think they like Jones better and I think Jones is better and he's increased health. Like I could have easily seen them splitting the workload and, uh, and it didn't go down like that. I had him in one tournament lineup. I think I played like 12 tourney lineups. So I had him in one, but uh, you know, what what are you going to do? Let's talk just real fast about a couple things that, we learned this week some things that we took away uh, from this weekend's slate. Josh, uh, throw me a nugget, brother. You know, it's, um, I, I think Oakland is going to be really tough to roster any of those players for the rest of the year. I mean, they just look thoroughly cooked. And I, I was really surprised that they went into Kansas City today and played as poorly as they did. Uh, they really – they just had no teeth. And it, it's, it, it shocks me because what they did against Kansas City just a month ago – and then what they put on the field today and really kind of put on the field. What's been on the field for them since uh, New England just totally deep pants them in Mexico City. I just – I don't know if we can play them right now. I mean, they, you know, they, they kind of had some – some uh, they say face a little bit there in the fourth quarter and, and got a little bit of offense going when Kansas City had kind of just shut it down. But I think if they – in a competitive game going forward, if they can't move the ball against a crappy defense like Kansas City, then I just don't know how they're going to do it at all egregious like I'm already looking forward to I think they play Philly in Philly in week 16 and I'm already looking forward to like rostering Nick Foles for oh yeah and they've got a Sunday night next week the Sunday night hammer they they play Dallas oh so there may be some Alf Morse love going on next Sunday night too hell yeah (laughs) hell yeah next week's primetime slate I learned I was really impressed by Jimmy Garoppolo again like Jimmy G threw for 334 and one after throwing for 293 yards last week. And Goodwin had another great game. Goodwin was six for 106 on 12 targets after going eight for 99 on eight targets the week before. 
So Jimmy G is clearly throwing the ball downfield. He's clearly found a target that he really likes. And these guys play Tennessee next week who have a bad pass defense. And I think that that's going to be a reasonable spot to, to get some good fantasy love in. Nah. I'm just tilting because that was my takeaway. My takeaway was that Jimmy Garoppolo has like fundamentally changed his offense. Because the, the, my favorite thing is that he was fourth or he was second um, among starters this week in um, average depth of target for quarterback. And he actually is throwing the ball downfield where San Francisco used to just be a dink and dunk offense where now like they're a legitimate deep. I mean, he stands in the pocket, he waits for his receivers to get open and that fundamentally changes the way that you view this team. Um, even Carlos Hyde, how he used to be getting, you know, high targets, but low a dot and all these other dump offs. Now, Carlos had like running routes, you know, actually getting downfield with things. So, but, but he only had he only had one target today. I did so yeah, that was but, a, and it was a deep target, forty but, yards downfield on a circle route. Yeah, but he's actually like getting down the field. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It just fundamentally changes the way that you have to view the San Francisco offense. Yeah, I agree with that. The one thing I did see with Garoppolo, and I saw it uh, against Chicago, and I saw it today, is he does make some really bad decisions with the ball. And so far, he's gotten either bailed out on it because, you know, wide receiver just happened to be in the window he was chucking it into or it just falls incomplete. But when he's pressured, he makes some really bad decisions. And if if we think that we're going to play him against a, a relatively good defense from a pressure perspective, we may want to reevaluate that because he could go out there and have a, you know, let's say a 180-yard three INT game and totally submarine a lineup. And that's a good point because Tennessee has been getting – pretty decent pressure lately like they got they were the team that got eight sacks on Gabbard this so week. they made Blaine Gabbard look like Blaine Gabbard yeah today and I, and I know the week before they played Tennessee which isn't like you know the or they played the the Texans which is not like the best judge but they sacked Savage another four times the week before so they've been they've been getting after it a little bit it's not like the Niners have a great offensive line or anything so certainly something to keep track of the week before that they played Indianapolis where they sacked Brissett eight times. So they literally have 20 sacks in their last three games. Well, yeah, but Brissett's a sack magnet too. Correct. So, I mean, it's, I, I think if you adjusted sacks on that, you might actually get like three. <laughs> just, just accent by, by 38%. Just it may be so. Cause I mean, Brissett, I mean, he just eats sacks. That's all he does is eat sacks. That is that is correct. This is, I mean, this is why I played the Bills defense today. I thought even if he only dropped back twelve times, he's good for three sacks. You know, it's, it's, it's money. Certainly reasonable. Uh, Nate, I, I did steal your Garoppolo take, but you stole my Russell Wilson take, so it's all fair. It's just fair. amazing. It's just amazing how good Russell Wilson is. In addition to the two seventy one and three three touchdowns, he also ran for fifty yards. I mean, he's just a goat. Like he yeah. is going to get there. He just gets there. No matter how bad – he's like Hopkins, where no, bad, no matter how bad the first couple quarters go, you, you just know he's going to get there. Like, he never does it. So, yeah. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder, like, long-term, what kind of toll this is going to take on his body, just basically having to haul that entire offense around week after week after week. It's um, – I, I imagine that it's probably going to shorten his career at some point because it, it, it'll add up. I was I was at this I was at this party last night and at some point like all the guys went outside and you know started just hanging out and, and chatting you know guy stuff and we we're talking about football and we we're talking about quarterbacks and and I made the point that I still think is true I think there's two quarterbacks in the NFL that when I watch them they move differently than every other quarterback 
you can just tell right off. Like, you don't even need to be a football fan. You can look and say, that guy's different than the rest. And it's Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Like, those are the two guys that, like, just spin and move and, like, shuffle and throw off their back foot and throw from all these crazy angles and just throw darts, and they're just so much better than everybody else. And it's, an, it's, an, it's an awareness thing that blows my mind is he just constantly has great awareness of his own speed, the players around him, and he always just seems to make, make it out of these situations. Yeah, and, and D- Deshaun Watson, was he has a lot of those traits, and you could see it really early on when, when he got comfortable like this second or third week. He, yeah. These guys, they all do a lot of things that they don't even realize they do to avoid pressure and, and make plays, and it's – it's really a joy to watch. It's, it, I mean, I think you're right, Sammy. These guys are on a completely different level. They move differently, and we really need to appreciate them while we have them. Yeah, it's like, it's like Neo when he finally figures out the Matrix. You know, it's just he can do things that others can't. Uh, any, any other final takeaways that, that you guys have here before we go on to prime time? What are we going to do with Cincinnati going forward? Because they got run out of their own barn today by the flipping Bears. I mean, they're, they're just not interested in winning games, is the thing about Cincy. Completely uninterested. They gave it up to Pittsburgh the week before. When you're up 17 to nothing in your own home stadium and, and, the, and the heart of the Steelers' defense gets carted off on a stretcher, like, you cannot lose that game, and yet they still figured out a way to lose it. They have no interest in winning. I have no interest unless – you know, Geo gets another start, but that seems just awful. Yeah, and even then, I, I just don't know if I'm going to do it because we're looking at Geo, and today when the game script was totally in his favor and he still had only, what is it, 19 touch opportunities, I guess at three at 3,100, you'll, you'll go after that every time. Um, yeah, but his price will go up. We have, I haven't looked at, like, what it is on the main slate next week, but, yeah. Yeah, I imagine he'll probably be probably in the four range next week. But it's um, – I don't know. It's going to be hard to, to roster anybody from Cincinnati for the next few weeks. They just – they look like they're done. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this last week. There's teams that give up, that have given up, right? And you don't want any piece of those teams. And Cincinnati looks like they've just mailed it in. So let's, let's move on to the primetime slate, gents. Uh, obviously a two-gamer on Monday night. Tonight we have New England at Miami – New England currently an 11-point favorite. And then on Thursday night, we have a, uh, you know, a, craft, a craftastic contest between the Broncos and the Indianapolis Colts in Indy. Uh, Denver is a two-point favorite. I can't imagine Denver being favored on the road against any team. But yet, here we are. That's really strange. I, I had no idea they were a two-point favorite. That, but that just tells, that tells me that the books don't know what to do with this game. At all, and that's probably because that maybe they're not sure what, what's going to be happening a quarterback for Denver. But I think if that were the case, they wouldn't have set a line at all. It's um, God, it's an ugly, ugly game. But I think we could probably squeeze a little bit of goodness out of it, uh, potentially a running back for Denver, and we, and we may even look at a player like. Um, I guess we could hit that when we get the positions, but it's just it's just a weird game. I don't know what to do with it right now. Well, well, we'll go real fast through the positions. I mean, it, the, the thing is at quarterback, there's only one good quarterback, and that's Tom Brady. The other three are Simeon Cutler and Brissett, which is just puke. Uh, if there was one quarterback, Nate, besides Brady, I don't even think we need to go into why he's a good play. If there was one quarterback besides Brady, who would you tend to lean toward? 
Uh, Simeon. Me too. Because yeah. Indy's defense is that bad. Is that kind of just the – Yeah, and, I mean, we've seen he can, like, get by. He can have performances where he, he just gets the ball to Demarius and he's got good weapons and stuff like that. So all, I think all it's Cutler. So, so you like Cutler. So I, I'd rather play Cutler than Simeon, okay, what to be do you honest. Like, why do you like Cutler? I, I like Cutler because uh, I guess I – I think the game script's going to be in his favor. I think they're going to be chasing the entire game, so I think they're going to have a high pass volume. And although New England's defense has just totally squatted on passing offenses over the last six weeks, I think there's probably enough there for Cutler to carve out something reasonable. I think he can outscore Simeon this week, even with the tough defense he's going to face. I mean, he does get to play him at home at least, so that's kind of in his favor. Um, I just I, I just like him better than Simeon. I think he's got a higher ceiling. I think Cutler will him and him and Brissett will probably be the most contrarian plays. So, yeah. I think yeah. Cutler will be will be very contrarian even versus yeah. I mean, I, I do too. Cutler's been in some smash spots this year and just he refuses to smash. He just yeah, he just yeah. <laughs> he just he just starts puffing on Marlboros and he's like, you know what, bro? Like, I'm rich AF. Like, what do I need to go out there and mess around for? Let's go to the running backs then, because uh, quarterback's just awful. Um, I believe, and take this for what it's worth, because I'm always bad at figuring out what other people are going to do, but I think Burkhead and, and, and to a lesser extent Lewis are going to be really popular. Um, and I think there's a huge case for Kenyon Drake. And I know Nate's going to get behind me here, just diversified workload, obviously assuming Damian Williams is out, but Drake sees – a lot of passing volume from the running back position. And if they're down, I think he could easily see five, six targets somewhere in that range. So yeah, Damien uh, is out as far as I know, I think he was officially ruled out. So I think, yeah, for me, it's Drake for sure. And then I think it's a question between Burkhead and Lewis. Um, I lean towards, towards Dion. Um, but I, I do, I do too. I think Burkhead's like the better play in a vacuum, but I think just for contrarian reasons, yeah. Uh, I think that more people will play Burkhead, so you probably go Lewis just to like take advantage of like the variance in the New England backfield. I'd stack them. It, play just them both. Do them both. Yeah, yeah, play and play three, play three running backs. I like that. To me, that makes the most sense. I, I mean, I can envision a scenario where New England just goes total run heavy, like they used to do against Indianapolis, and just and just slams both of these running backs into that defense. You know, forty touches between the two of them. And they just just totally snuff them out and really don't have to throw the ball all that much. I mean, I, I, that game script is totally within the realm of possibility, and that's one reason why I really like stacking the two New England backs this week. Well, I, I could easily see that. And Lewis is kind of – obviously, he's not getting the goal line work. That's, that's what Burkhead's doing. But Lewis, the last two games, has run for 92 and 112 yards. And he's breaking off chunk plays, so he could mm-hmm. easily just get a long one. And that's certainly within his realm. So I, I agree. I, I think actually playing them both on a short slate like this could be a really good idea. Um, any other guys besides Burkhead, Lewis, Drake that you guys think could be in a good spot here? Marlon Mack. Yep. Because, it, I mean, they gave Gore 36 or really 37 touches today. Gore's, and, Gore's gonna be sleeping, he's going to be sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber for the next three nights. He's going to have to. And that's just to be game ready, you know, for, for Thursday. So – I don't see any reason for them to give Gore really much work on Thursday night. So that either means they're going to be like super pass heavy 
and maybe just maybe 75-25 on the pass run split where they're going to have to give Marlon Mack 25 touches. And Marlon Mack is such a dynamic athlete, and, a, and he's a good receiver that I think he could he could totally get off this Very Thursday. I, I really like him. Very sharp. Uh, anyone besides those guys, Nate, that you're into? No, I think that covers it. Okay, let's let's shift over to wide receiver. We have only two wide receivers above 6K. Brandon Cooks, uh, Nate's favorite wide receiver at 8K, and Jarvis Landry. <laughs> Jarvis Landry is only 6.2. I think Landry is a, a pretty solid value. I think both yeah. those guys will be extremely popular, though. Yeah, I think the two guys that I like lean towards the most um, is Landry and Demarius. Um, and then the question is, like, what do I want to do at that third wide receiver spot? So I think that's where I would try to get contrarian. What about you, Josh? Yeah, I, I like Landry because I think New England is willing to let him take all those short passes and just kind of chip away without, without Miami actually doing anything with the ball. So I, I do like that play. I think he's got a great floor. I kind of like um, – I like Manny Sanders this week. I think he's finally healthy enough that he could start siphoning away some of the, the work that Demarius Thomas has gotten, you know, over the past couple of weeks with, with Sanders being kind of dinged up. So, it, and people are going to be fresh on Thomas right now, right? Because he had a good game today. He had a good game the week before. He's getting the target volume. But for all intents and purposes, for my money, I really like Sanders a lot better in that offense. I think he's a better receiver. He's a better route runner. And I think against um, – Indianapolis, I think he's going to be able to do whatever he wants, which to me, it just kind of leads me to playing him instead of Thomas. Emmanuel Sanders has been fully, fully egregious. In his last six games, he has one, six, two, three, and one catches. In his yeah, last think- four games, 15, 12, 11, and 16 yards. He the has cleared 20 yards. Demarius had a 38% target share with 46% of the air yards this week. And I mean, obviously, you know, I don't want to go too much, but it's, it's the trend is not your friend. If you're playing Emmanuel Sanders. That's exactly right. It's very contrarian. But the question I would ask is, did the Jets put Morse Claiborne on Manny Sanders? And I would be willing to bet they did. So uh, I, I can I, confidently say I did not watch a second of the New York Jets. That is, that is very sharp. I guess I, and so I guess what I'm saying is I really agree with you, Josh, in the sense that Sanders is certainly not an optimal play, but the type of play, if you're trying to take down a GPP on a four team slate, he's exactly the kind of guy you want to go after. So I'm, I'm fully on board. I'm also in that same vein, completely willing to ride with Chris Hogan, who is probably going to be back. Rob Gronkowski is going to be, out of this game, he got suspended for being a dirty-ass player, and so he's out. Um, and Chris Hogan's supposed to be back, and Hogan operates quite a bit out of the slot, um, and I don't think that many people are going to play him because he's such a question mark. Will he get five snaps? Will he get 45 snaps? Will he get one target? Will he get seven? We have no idea. So I think you want to court that kind of volatility uh, on these slates here. How do you so feel about Amendola? Because I think – with Hogan's question of, you know, even if Hogan is playing, you don't know how many, how many routes he's actually going to run because he's still dealing with the injury. And Gronk being out, I think, I think Amendola could be somebody who's going to get a ton of targets. I like it. And I don't have the data in front of me, but I think I remember that his stats with Rob Gronkowski out of the lineup have been pretty damn good. 
Very good. Yeah. I so, got another. I got another deep name here that might be worth rostering in tournaments, and that's um, what's his name, Carlos Rogers, or sorry, Chester Rogers. Yeah. Chester Rogers. There you go. And only because he's going to be the third receiver playing for Indy this week. And, and I mean, we feel like that uh, T.Y. Hilton and whoever ends up being the wide receiver too, it may be Aiken, um, is going to be pretty much snuffed out by the Denver by the Denver cornerback. So I, I kind of like Chester Rogers as a really deep YOLO play at men's salary that could end up getting, you know, let's say 60 yards and a touchdown. Into it, into it. He gets, he gets some pretty uh, legit air yards when he does get thrown to. So, Nate, uh, any, any other receivers you dig on here? Okay. No, tight ends. The tight ends here are very, very bad. You have Doyle, Julius Thomas, Dwayne Allen looks like he's going to be the guy that fills in for Gronk. And, I mean, who's the other guy? Derby? I, you watch I, your tongue about Doyle. Doyle's the goat, man. I'm, I mean, Doyle in this snow-ridden game still managed to get Doyle's going to see 12 targets. Correct. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm Denver's, been, Denver's been very bad against the tight end, too. So I'm all about Doyle, man. I love Doyle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, I think, got the, he's got the highest market share of targets of, of any tight end, I believe, still. Yeah, he's, he's the chalk on the slate at tight end. I mean, he'll probably be 70% owned, I would guess, just because of the, the rest of the trash options that we're looking at. Who's I mean? Who's even seeing volume at Denver's tight end? I don't even know. Is Austin Trailer, Trailer, Virgil Green. I mean, they're just. Yeah, I would look at probably a Trailer because uh, Trailer. I mean, he's really not getting any targets, but they talk about he's running a lot of routes and that he's getting open. They're just not throwing him the ball. So I don't know. That's that's kind of a really deep play. If you if you want to go like super contrarian troll play, you'd go with Fasano. Because Fasano is going to get his one target for eight yards and a touchdown. I I don't think I'll play Dwayne Allen. I think a lot of people – I could be wrong, but I think a lot of people are going to say, oh, he's filling in for Gronk, like he'll do fine. And I've I've played that game before with New England. It doesn't work. And it just doesn't happen. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm off of that. You get a bunch of blocking tight end plays. Right. Well, that's I mean, that's what Allen excels at, right? So, I mean, I, I still think this game script is totally possible where they bring in – you know, two tight ends, three tight ends on a lot of these plays and just maul them with the run game. Well, well, that's good. I didn't know Dwayne Allen actually excelled at anything. So that's nice of you to, nice of you to throw out that he is good at something. Uh, defense special teams. Uh, I mean, the Patriots are going to be the chalk. If you had to play one other DST that you like in a contrarian aspect, Nate, who would it be? Oh, I mean. Um, I mean, De- I, Denver will be the second chalk. Yeah, I was going to say, it's either Patriots or Broncos for me. Yeah, yeah Contrarian is Colts, in my opinion. Yep. Home I team mean, on a Thursday against a bad quarterback. I'm into that. There's, I mean, it, the Dolphins are the most Contrarian, but <laughs> there, there's a reason why they're 2.3. Because it's just not going to happen. They're going to get yeah. smashed. I mean, I don't know. There is, like, a game every two years in Miami that the New England's, that the New England Patriots blow. Yeah. So I, I guess that's the thing. If you want to get real contrarian on this slate, go against the Patriots. And that's, uh, you know, very, very low probability, but big pot odds on it. So. Full, full, full dolphin stack? Full dolphin. I mean, we haven't said that many fishy things on this podcast, Josh, so I think that a full dolphin's onslaught should be the, the final legacy that we leave on the <laughs> podcast here. 
of just of just like, hey, listen, we do still have gills, regardless of the amazing scores that me and you put up in cash, and Nate, you know, kind of almost did. Um, <laughs> you know? Without Davis, it's a lot less of a gill cast. I'll be honest. That I mean, that's true. That's true. We Davis replaced is the one that we used to. Just we, rip on for we replaced Davis Matic with Josh ADHD, which is just, I mean, it's great for uh, our equity in terms of like the group making money, but it's really bad for ragging on people. Yeah. Well, you guys can rag on me just as easily. I mean, I can, I make plenty of dumb decisions every week. Yeah, but you smashed the last two weeks. I mean, the first week your lineup was rough and then you kind of got your stuff together and you said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. And you had two really good lineups. Yeah. You guys are catching me during my run good. We went from C.J. Beathard to Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, this is – Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. It's a gift from the gods. You're, you know, you're taking shots deep, and it's working out. Yeah. Yeah, and they turned Marquise Goodwin from a, from a deep shot artist into a legitimate, you know, wide receiver like Pierre Garçon. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. The power of coaching. Well, you guys, this was uh, – you know, I wish that we had Davis – uh, it, it, all you guys listening, you can reach Davis on Twitter at Davis Matic, and please just go on there and rip him for not being on the podcast. He has no good excuse uh, except that he's already worked 10 hours this week. And so he can't go over the 10 hour threshold or else he really starts getting tired. So the reason that Davis isn't on this podcast is, you know, he's, he's just a lazy bum and please hit him up on Twitter and let him know about it. I think that's really important. So let's wrap this thing up, boys. Really good week. Fantastic. We all won money. The Pittsburgh Steelers goaded. Yeah, this was just fantastic. Um, you can reach Josh on Twitter at FantasyADHD. You can reach Nate on Twitter at Nate Nolling. I'm at Sammy Reed FI. And this has been the Gilcast for Nate, for Josh, for me. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Monday. <laughs>